You're listening to the Missouri Realtors Podcast with host and Missouri Realtors President, John Mayfield. Join us as we deliver an in-depth analysis of industry news while speaking with industry experts on their successes and failures. Along the way, we'll also share strategies and practices to help you become a more successful realtor. Well, thank you so much for joining. I'm John Mayfield, your 2022 Missouri Realtors President. I am like so thrilled to be interviewing Lee Brown. Uh, she's a famous realtor, and I've been following her for a long time and have watched her speak. She's a great storyteller. And as you know, this year, is my, my theme is It's Your Story. And so I'm so excited for Lee to share her story and more importantly, help you grow your real estate business. So Lee, thank you so much for joining. Well, I'm certainly honored to be able to join you and the members of your state. And, you know, you and I spent the first time together in person overseas with the FIOPSI organization. And so I don't that's know right. the events are happening right now. And I was like, man, we had a good time over there that's working with right. our international colleagues. That's right. I I forgot all about that. But we were in Andorra, I believe, up in Which the mountains. I didn't mountains even know of... existed until we went there. Yeah, me either. So <laughs> I think, thank you. Well, I just want to ask you, first of all, because I was thinking, what would be the first question I would ask you? And I thought, I, I pack a lot into one day and I, people ask me all the time, how do you get so much done? And I feel like I stay busy, but then I watch you and I ask the question, wow, how does she get so much accomplished? Because I, you're, you're very well organized and you have a, a group of folks you work with there as, as a real estate broker, but talk us, talk to us about your typical day or, you know, how do you, how do you make things happen the way you do? Well, John, you know what they say, if you want something done, you ask a busy woman. So one thing I love about real estate is that there's not really a typical day, but there are the big rocks. And of course, like you, I love to read and I love the business philosophy books that are out there, but that big rock theory is totally true for me. There's things that are non-negotiable. And then there's lots of things you fill in around the gaps with the smaller rocks. And then you have the sand and you have the water. So just a matter of prioritizing. So literally in front of my computer is my daily calendar, which has my big rocks in it. And then I have my small rocks in my sand or my journal where I'm constantly writing down ideas and other things that need to happen. So my typical day, I get up at four o'clock. I like getting up before the rest of my house wakes up. I like to have the first pot of coffee with no interruptions. I get my run in before sunrise. because I love sunrise and I love seeing it. So I like to be done while the sun's coming up. Then I do my devotion. I take care of the chickens first thing because they got to come out and get their crowing going on. Right. <laughs> and I do all of that before I touch social media. So I think one of the reasons I'm highly productive is this does not own me. This is a tool. And one challenge that realtors have is they get so addicted to being available that they let their lives be consumed by somebody else's needs. And that's the notifications and the emails and the text you have to find a way to take charge of yourself first. And that's what I do when I start my day. Now, once the world wakes up and it's 6 37 o'clock, I'm checking Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. I'm looking for any messages that need response. I'm looking for notifications because people really need to be noticed. And one thing that can make your real estate business sing is noticing people. And I know that sounds crazy and I know it sounds basic, but a lot of us 
drop things out there, we broadcast it, and then we never come back to it. So for example, you make a post on Facebook and five people comment. If you don't come back and at least click like or respond to it, they feel really ignored. And in marketing, our whole goal is to get people to respond to us. So we have right. to find a way to respond to them as well and get the conversation started. So I schedule my social media in to make sure that it's not taking priority over things that really matter. So then by eight o'clock, my real estate day starts and I know where I have to start is with existing clients, with prospects, with my team's needs. Today, I spent a good chunk of my day in training because an appointment that I had last night exposed me to an opportunity to make my team stronger, which if there's anything realtors know, it's that you never know everything and you're always having to get re-upped with your educational level. Right now, we're dealing with a phenomenon I'm not accustomed to, and that's talking about capital gains, tax exposure to sellers. In the past, we know our sellers have stayed put three, five, seven, 10 years, but because of the run-up in prices over the last two and a half years, we now have people that bought in April of 2020 who are concerned about the markets, concerned about the economy that want to harvest their gains. Well, realtors now have to talk about capital gains tax exposure because you don't get the exemption unless you've been there two out of five years. So right. I'm talking to my team about how do you ask the question of a seller about how much they make in income? What is their basis on the house? Are they at the 0%, 15% or 20% level if they're long-term or if they're short-term cap gains, what's their income tax rate? So you can calculate it. It's part of our job as realtors is to be up to speed on what the changes are in the market, which also means changes in consumer behavior, which means we have to respond. And so part of my day is always involved in training, whether it's training other states and brokerages or it's training for my team. And usually it's both because obviously <laughs> while I did training for them, I made a YouTube video that I'll share with my public when we get it all posted so that I can make other realtors stronger at the same time. And then involved in my day will be checking emails. I check them periodically and I've got to manage, making sure my family has supper and that I'm taking care of my association responsibilities. And so everything kind of plugs in. So I do my daily planning the night before and the way that I figure out my big rocks last night, I knew what was left for today. It's all charted out and actually of my five things that have to happen today, four are done. And then I can handle some other things. But the most important part for me is that I don't let my relationships go. I've seen a lot of realtors who have wound up divorced, disconnected from their kids. They've lost all their friendships. They're, they're exhausted. Well, it's because they, they let everything else go in right. favor of real estate. And so the thing I'm most cognizant of in my schedule is how am I present with the most important people, which turns out that my clients are okay with that. And my training schedule is okay with that. And my volunteer schedule is okay with it if I own it. So long story short, my typical day starts at four o'clock, ends by seven. I'm in bed by nine, but I don't do client stuff after seven o'clock unless it's a crazy emergency because frankly, I'm useless at that time of night. And I need to be hearing what my teenagers and my husband are saying. So that being said, one of the questions I get is, how do you do all your marketing? How do you do your video? The secret to that is there's a day on my calendar when I batch my content. So I'll pick a day, block out four or five hours, and I will change outfits, and I will crush video, 
and I'll have a month's worth of content created. If you're trying to always create new stuff every day, you'll kill yourself because it's exhausting. You also find out that some days you just don't have anything to give and that's okay. But on the day right. that you plan for it, you put your content plan in place and crush it. I did that the other day. I, I just took about an hour and a half. I didn't change outfits, which I should have, but uh, I kind of had fun with it. And, and, you know, just said, you probably said, Hey, weren't you wearing that sport coat yesterday? Or, but it, it well, was John, now let's really be honest. To, <laughs> you're a man. You can wear a button down, change your necktie. And people I could yeah. <laughs> be fine. That's right. Yeah. But you know, what you said was I was able to crush out a bunch of videos and I had a week's worth of content and I'm going to, I'm going to follow that program. So very good. Absolutely. And I think what you said about education, so true. And a lot of agents fail to understand what you were just saying is consumers are impressed. When I started educating myself and when I could uh, talk to my clients and customers in a logical way and explain complicated issues, it raised my confidence level. And I think they wanted to they, they wanted to do business with me because they felt better. Well, and that's one of the challenges realtors have, period. They're afraid to defend what they charge. They don't really know their own value. And they're immense sources of knowledge. And they've been through so many different scenarios. They bring so much to the table, but they fail to articulate that. And when a really good realtor learns how to articulate that, the value is in sometimes what we have experienced with other people. And sometimes it's the things we haven't yet experienced, but that we are surrounded by other professionals that we can lean on to ask questions. You know, we have legal resources through our realtor associations that can answer legal questions for us. That's what they hire us for. And there is a value in that. And when realtors get confident enough to articulate that, that's when the consumer values them so much. They say, you have to call my realtor because they explained X, Y, and Z when nobody else did. And it's exactly. not that we don't want other realtors to not know things. I would love nothing more than for the mediocre realtors to decide that they want to be better and to take the steps toward higher education and take the, the vulnerability step of saying, I don't know things. I need a mentor. I need a broker. Oh my gosh, you and I would be the happiest instructors on the planet if we walked into a room where every seat was filled, everybody had a notebook and was like, Br bring it to me. But we just right. don't often see that the, the front row is the rest of the room is there by accident or by compunction because they have to get CE. Yeah. But if they were there to say, I want to be the best resource possible from every neighbor and every zip code, it would change everything in our business. And I really hope that if somebody's watching or listening to this and says to themselves, well, I don't think I'm mediocre, but I want to get better that you become the person who goes to the next class and brings somebody else with you and says, let's go find the one shining piece of information and put it to use because that changes it for all of us. The public looks as realtors as this monolith, forgetting that each one of us is running a different kind of business. We have different business models. We serve different parts of the public. We work different specialty markets. But when we work together to get stronger, oh my gosh, it's amazing. It is. And, and I've seen you speak and you will tell the audience, do this, this and that, and you're going to become a successful agent. 
And you're right, when we have those agents who really want to embrace what we're trying to convey to them, it's such a great feeling. And, and yes. that was one of my questions was, you know, why do you think agents fail? And, and uh, you answered a lot of those there, but you know, and what, sh what can they do to, to turn their career around, even in a market like today, where there's lots of multiple offers and few oh, buyers or few sellers? It's an opportunity market, right? And so you right, that's right. right now, you know, we're recording this in June of 2022 and the market's going from white hot to almost white hot because we are seeing some stabilization in the market because interest rates are impacting demand. We still don't have enough supply, but sellers don't have anywhere to go. And so there's so many questions in the marketplace. I think what hamstrings most professional realtors is just their own fear. They're afraid of a changing market. They're afraid they're not valuable. They're afraid the buyer doesn't need them. They're afraid the seller's going to FISBO. And a lot of that is just completely living right here. It's all made up fear. Mm -hmm. Reality is, if you go to the grocery store and somebody knows you're a realtor, they're going to ask you, they're like, going to make sure nobody's listening. And they're going to say, so... Uh, yeah. When's the market going to crash? Because they're not asking the, the usual questions. Right now, our right. public doesn't say, well, how's the market? They say, is it is it too late to buy? Is it about, Should I wait till there's foreclosures? Or did I miss the top of the market? Is it okay to sell? What do I do? What do I do? So a highly successful realtor prospects, and here's why they prospect. And John, this is what my dad told me when I first got in the business. My dad, of course, being a retired realtor, he's a realtor emeritus and He's delighted to play golf and work in his wood shop now. And he's proof that you don't have to do real estate every day that you're alive if you choose to retire. But he told me, he said, if you don't prospect, if you don't call people and let them know you're in the business, with whom will they wind up? Because there are realtors out there of every level of expertise and competence. Some are so much better than you are, and some are worse than you are, and some are unethical, and some are lazy, and some are thoughtful, and some are compassionate, and some are not. They're all over the place. That's why you call them, so that they have somebody of whom they can ask their questions. And the fear that you have is that calling them, they don't want you. Well, spoiler alert, if they don't want to talk nowadays with technology, they just decline your call and send you to voicemail. And if right. I get sent to voicemail, I know they don't want to talk and that's okay. And my voicemail just says, hey, it's Lee Brown with one community. And if you need me, call me back, but I was just checking in. It doesn't have to be all used car salesy and gross. And you don't have to say, you uh, market's moving who do you know that's moving because we we tend to fall into bad habits because we get in our own way just be you and call them and say hey and if they answer ding 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 they want right. to talk to a realtor and then your job is not to be gross is to say hey just call them to say hey and it will lead to real estate if they want it to lead to real estate and if they don't take it there you don't have to. I think this is one of the misconceptions about real estate training is that we have to push people to real estate. Who do you know that needs to buy or sell? You don't have to do that, but you have to be visible and engaged so that they have somebody they can ask when they're ready. And that's the way most realtors love to operate anyway. They love when their phone rings. They love being a resource, but they forget that the outbound calls lead to the inbound calls too. Right. So if you want to be successful in this market, push through your fear and call. And who do you exactly. call? You're going to go to your phone and you go to your little contact manager right here. And there's people saved in here. Call these people. Don't buy leads off the internet. 
don't have to go do anything cold and scary. Just call the people that already know you. It's, it's not hard. It just looks hard because nobody else does it. Right. And I, I like that about fear. And I was listening to a podcast yesterday with Russell Brunson and he, he's a big online marketing guy and so he was smart. talking about, yeah, but you know, sometimes people have fear of, oh, I'm going to put too many social media posts out or I'm, or I'm fearful that I'm calling them too much or reaching out too much. And Russell said, and I, I had really never dawned on me until he said, if they don't want to get your information, then why would you want them as a client? He said, you want the people who want to stay in touch with you. Who And, and so, like you said, if it goes to voicemail, you just go to the next person. But we, we do get hung up on this fear. And it's like, don't let fear keep you from getting your name out there, calling, posting on social media. And, and that's something I, I've seen in you. you. You continue to just push forward, have fun. And I think that draws people to want to do business with you. Well, people are drawn to positive people. And frankly, I, I, don't, I don't want to hang out with any negative people. I don't want to hang out with jerks. I don't want to hang out with jack legs. I, I don't need that in my life. And so what right. you put out there, that's what you're going to get back. It's just like my grandmother and everybody else's grandmother said, you attract more bees with honey than you do with vinegar. Right. So you have to ask yourself what you're putting out there. And so I put this to realtors too, for the last couple of years, how many realtors have said, oh, there's no inventory. There's nothing to sell. Oh, my buyers are losing in multiple offers. And so they're putting out their negative perceptions of the market. And John, you know what frustrates me there is how many first-time buyers have given up because they right. saw what a realtor posted and said, there's no hope. There's no reason to get engaged. The flip side of it should always be, man, I just saw a really cool house. Now, maybe there weren't enough of them, but you saw one. Talk about the one. And your buyer just got a, a great conversation going with your local bank. That's so exciting. My buyers are getting prepared. Can't wait to figure this out. What if we approach it as that professional problem solver of, I love figuring it out instead of, woe is me. And so it all goes into what you put out there is what you get back. And then with markets that are changing, I get it. A lot of realtors are thinking, I, I can't, I can't do this again. I did this in the last recession and it sucked and it was hard and I get it, but markets are fluid. They go up, they go down. But when markets start to change, that's when your neighbors need you the most because an app is never going to be able to walk a neighbor through the pros and the cons and the ups and the downs like their realtor friend can do. Realtors are so skilled at being personalized you have to get your fear out of the way so that you can take somebody else's fear out of the way. When you're quiet and you pull back, your neighbors don't know who to ask. And that's when they go to this thing and they go to the apps that you hate. They went there because they didn't know where else to go. And right. the apps aren't going to be personalized. They're not going to be drilled down to the zip code in the neighborhood like a realtor is. And so you just think about it. You're letting people know all right, so my post today on Instagram was my chickens, right? I love my chickens. It means that people want to hang out with me because they want to talk about chickens. But then what happens next? They want to talk about the housing market, but they don't always just want to talk about houses. So give people a way to approach you that's different. I talk about right. my faith journey because it's part of who I am. And I get the most 
interesting conversations from people who are different than me. I love that. I've opened the door to a conversation. I post my cooking shows because I started that well, during the COVID. I was going to say away. you do a lot of cooking shows. And, that was and that's totally by the, accident, but it brings people yeah. into a place of understanding community conversation. The, the whole point of your prospecting and your business building plan should be to start conversations. Everything should be about starting conversations. Right. And, and people don't realize the, the power there is. I mean, I, another podcast I listen to, uh, and again, she's an online marketer, Amy Porterfield, but she helps people with oh online God. courses. And she was talking about how people are selling courses on how to make banana bread or how to bake apple pies and just on and on people want to know and learn and and you've been real good and that was one of my questions was at christmas tell the audience what you do for your clients and customers which is another way that you keep your name in front of people but you have a really secret super recipe i'm thinking oh, of the waltons when the the sisters who had that special recipe of their dads but <laughs> i don't know if you've ever given us a special recipe or not I, nope, I won't give that recipe away i even have a cookbook of everything else and i have posted everything else but you are allowed to hold back certain things that are super valuable right and so the world right. says transparency is perfect but i do believe you can be mostly transparent but have your little something that's just yours. Right. I mean, I mean, frankly, our personal lives should be like that too, but that's a different discussion. Right. And so I, I make this fruit cake every year and it is a boozy masterpiece. And I start it Thanksgiving week because it has to be fed for four weeks before it's ready to go. And it's a bourbon fruit cake. And to get one of the fruit cakes, you have to be willing to send me a name, whether it's a buyer or a seller or a speaking engagement or something. And then I draw out the winners and they get this little masterpiece. And I mean, I have had some people get mad at me, John, because I won't give the recipe out. Like, well, you should right. give it, you give everything else out. And <laughs> yeah. I'm like, you don't, you don't get to own me or what I do for marketing. And if you're that annoyed by it, then send right. me a referral and we'll handle yeah. that. But you know, that's a great idea. I hadn't thought about that. So it's but I've weird. always watched that and loved that little uh, your videos on on the fruitcake. You know, it's fun. I love, I love making it. It's one of the joys because it takes hours to make it. And there is something magical about slow processes in a world where everything is instant gratification that when I slow down to make it, I'm, I have to be thoughtful. I have to follow the instructions correctly. I can't fast forward or the results aren't the same. And that's not a bad message to give to the world that those of us that are available all the time, which realtors are available all the time, we will move at the drop of a hat. We've had to, to help buyers win in this market. Our sellers are now turning into that person of get it on the market right away. We're scared to death. When you showcase to people that you can simultaneously move quickly, but also be thoughtful and methodical, that's a great message to give for your business because we should be thoughtful and methodical about the way we approach our buyers and sellers as part of our fiduciary responsibility. And frankly, I think our E&O companies would like realtors to be a little more thoughtful and methodical. And they're going to have to right. be going forward because we're in a litigious world and realtors have to be more, more intelligent about their actions. Good. Yeah. So I was going to ask you about how you got in real estate. I didn't realize your father was in real estate, a real estate broker. Uh, so I guess that's what kind of drew you toward being a realtor. But 
I'd love for you to share with the audience the importance and how you got involved with the local association and and then the state and the national and and what that's meant to your career and why you think others should consider getting involved. Well, I became a realtor in 2000, which makes it very easy to calculate my years of service. But I got my license two years prior because I was in a corporate job. And like many kids of realtors, I swore I'm not doing this. This business is stupid. My dad works all the time. He's all over the place. I did not want to do real estate. And then I was in the corporate world. I had worked after I paid for college by bartending. And then one of my regulars hired me and I became a stockbroker on Wall Street in Manhattan, and which obviously I didn't fit in there. And then from there, I went to work for Husqvarna selling premium chainsaws, which is how I came to live in Iowa for a year. And I'm probably the only person who's been in every county in Iowa without running for president. And then okay. I moved <laughs> to Texas, that's how I got to visit Missouri, because you know you need something to do when you live in Iowa. So you drive to all the surrounding states and hang out. But um, I, I didn't like it. I wasn't suited for the corporate world where you have expectations and you have right. rules and I had a commission formula. So whatever I sold, I only made X dollars and you capped out and it was just frustrating. And finally, I had gotten my license on the side because my dad kept telling me, you do well in real estate. And I didn't want to, but he was finally like, just get your license so you have it. So like many people. I got my license at night just so I'd have it. And then I just sat on it, kept it inactive. And when I got so frustrated, my dad just said, come home, do real estate. And I came home because I had job hopped and I was like, I may as well just try it. Had to do a pile of CE to activate it because it had sat inactive for a couple of years. And then I joined him and my dad was one of the top realtors in Charlotte, but wildly disorganized because he's a typical realtor doing a hundred sides by himself and his piles were this deep and he knew roughly where stuff was and nobody else could touch his piles because only he knew where stuff was. It drove me crazy because I'm an organized person. So I cleaned up his business and then he got me involved in the star power network. If you remember Howard Brenton, probably yes, the most yeah. gifted trainer we've ever had in real estate, but my dad didn't want me to go through the slow burn that realtors go through and make all the mistakes. He wanted me to go learn from top producers. So I went to Star Power right away, right out of the gate, hadn't sold anything. And I'm hanging out with people doing 300, 400, 500 sides a year. And it's very eye-opening to find out what it can look like when you treat the business like a business. And for the first nine years of my career, I was just focused on sales and growth. I wanted to be number one in Charlotte. I went from being a buyer agent for my dad to us being partners to me running my own team. We bought a franchise. I mean, all the things. And then of course the recession hit and in Charlotte, it started to hit us in July of 07. By 08, we were skidding and nine, we were heading down into the gully and I was killing it because I learned short sales. And my dad had taught me very early how important it was to stay in front of trends. And so he taught me how to watch the MLS data and I took all the right classes and knew how to talk to banks. And so my goal was to save anybody I had ever met from going to foreclosure. And so I was very heavily working in short sales. And then I got a phone call. Hey, Lee Brown, we need you to give us $99 for our pack. And I said, why? And they said, cause you ought to. <laughs> and for many realtors, that's how the, conversation goes 
And I, I gave them 99 bucks because it didn't hurt because I was doing so well in real estate at a time when many realtors were going back to other jobs because the business was just brutal. But I had, I had moved in front of the curve. And so I gave my 99 bucks. And then right after that, I got an email and it said, congratulations, you've been appointed to the government affairs committee. And I said, what? Didn't know we had a government <laughs> affairs committee, had not served previously. I got appointed because I was a top producer who just gave to our pack. And so that sets off an alarm bell. This person's awake because prior to that, nothing with the association except for CE. I was the person who said, oh, all those volunteers, they don't even sell anything. I don't have time. I'm too important. I, what am I paying my dues for? I know how to sell houses. I was that big ego, thought I knew everything person. I'm fully aware of how big a head I had. When I got to that government affairs meeting, I realized how quickly I could be taken back down to tiny, tiny nugget because I knew nothing. I didn't know how much work was happening. I didn't know the different sides of the political advocacy stuff. I didn't know what was happening and I was blown away. And that was where everything changed for me, John. I, I went from number one and number one in ego to and arrogance to I had realized things I'd never known and I couldn't unlearn what I learned. And I made a conscious decision at that point. I was going to be trading time selling houses for time volunteering. So it would definitely be a loss of revenue to give back. But when I saw the work that had been happening to give me a successful career, all of these other people had invested so I could make this much money. They gave their time. They gave up their commission dollars for decades before I became a realtor. How could I not give back? How could I right. not go all in to protect what I had been given? I, I had to stop being the receiver and be the giver. And that's a, it's a lifestyle change. And I still sell houses. And I'm still very proud of my team and my brokerage. And we all make a very good living in real estate, but we all let go of the number one goal because it's not what matters to us anymore. It matters to us that we support our families, we support our community. And most importantly, that each one of us be engaged and involved in a way that educates our neighbors through real estate and that we stay in touch with what's happening on the advocacy front because the regulations that happen in our city and state and county they really, really matter. And without me going to those meetings and talking to those officials, who's going to speak up for my neighbors? They don't have the time to go or the expertise. I've got the expertise. It's on me to make the time so that I can be a voice at the table. And so from 2009 until now, I've served at all levels of the association. I haven't done it the normal way. The normal way is you serve local, then state, then national. I am not the average person. I, I'm totally out of order because I started on a local government affairs. And then I was at NAR on federal financing and housing policy. Then I got put on a, a presidential advisory group or a PAG. And then I got finally got involved at the state, but I had to do that backwards because I ran into the old guard leadership who said, you're not ready yet. And that happens a lot to our volunteer leaders. And I, I started serving with CRS, the Council of Residential Specialists. And I found a pathway there because one thing I didn't know is that there's a lot of leadership pathways. There's Women's Council, there's CRS, now known as RRC, there's 
CCIM and SIOR and IRAM and all of these different opportunities to serve. And so I served nationally through CRS and became the national president. And then my state welcomed me. And so now I'll be state president next year for North Carolina. And I've been vice president of NAR, but I've never been my local president. And I'm now going to be state president. And what I would just say to any member who watches or listens to this is your leadership pathway doesn't have to look like everybody else's. But when you see an opportunity to serve, say yes, because you may find out that you have some amazing insight or knowledge to offer that we didn't have as an association before you opened your mouth. And maybe your idea is terrible, but a terrible idea often leads to a counterpoint, which could lead to the best idea. But if you never said the first thing, we don't get all the way to the third thing. So it really matters. And as a leader, my responsibility is to bring up as many other people as I can to replace me so they can go do things I never dreamed of because I'm not nearly as talented as the person coming behind me because I have different talents and their talents might complement mine, but they might outshine mine. And I'm okay with that, John. And maybe that's what happens when you and I hit medium age that we learn how to say, it's totally okay when somebody outshines me because I then get to be proud of them. And that's a, that's an amazing feeling. It's what we said before is somebody implements an idea from a class and we're like, It feels so good to watch somebody else grow. And so that's why I encourage people to volunteer, to go find a place for your talents, to fight through when somebody else wants you to sit down and shut up. Because often the person who pushes you down is just afraid. They're afraid of losing their own spot. But our business is so big. There are so many seats at the table already. And if the existing leaders would learn how to scoot their chair over and pull up one more chair, how much better would we get? Oh, gosh, yes. Very, yeah, huge. In fact, this month's podcast that I did for Missouri Realtors, if you haven't listened to it, go back and listen to it. But I interviewed three newer agents. But what why I was drawn to them was the fact that they have been involved at the state level. I've seen them at national meetings. They're they're hitting it out of the park, selling, listing and selling real estate. But I wanted to really find out, you know, what, what they're doing to grow their careers. But you're exactly right. Some of the comments that I've heard them make in meetings have really been great ideas. And, and if it wasn't a great idea, as you mentioned, it got that conversation started where there could be a counterpoint. So when think good. about it too, right? So a lot of us that have been in the business a long time, we can, we can get the old guard mentality. We can have that mindset that says an early career realtor isn't ready yet, but we forget that our early career realtors often came from other careers. So they bring with them a background in accounting or sales or hospitality or a stay-at-home parent. I mean, they bring in all these different insights to a new profession that doesn't make them less valuable. It just means they've got a a broader perspective. And so if you've been in for 30 years, it's important for you to say, well, I do know more about the mechanics of real estate. However, some of our best ideas come from outside of our existing environs. And that's a good thing. So I'm so glad you went to newer people who are at the early stages of their career because they're going to be carrying the torch long after you and I have hung it up. Exactly. Yeah. 
Well, I know your time is very valuable. I want to thank you so much for joining us. I do want to ask, is there anything else you'd like to just leave the group with that uh, would be inspirational or any other thoughts maybe I didn't ask you that you were, would like to give the group? Well, I guess a couple of things. The first thing is that as realtors who are going through an era of change, and it's not just changes in the market, it's what's happening around us with the litigious environment, with the federal government and the DOJ, if you do nothing else, go to competition.realtor and make sure you're up to speed on what's happening with the DOJ and that you're being more effective in conveying a message to the public about who a realtor is because the public thinks of us as one giant monolith. Realtors are not a monolith. Each one of us is a micro entrepreneur that knows our zip codes. And the more you can speak that message to the public, the better off we will be to make sure that we always have realtors in every zip code because the only answer to the American dream is often a realtor who is the person who says, let me help show you the way. That's our number one skill and we have to protect and preserve our neighbor's rights, the American dream and keep realtors at the front of that. And the second thing I would say is that as markets change, fight the fear by picking up the phone. The rule in my office and for all of my coaching clients is very simple. It's one call a day. At 8 a.m., you make an outbound call to somebody saved in your phone. You won't get cussed out. You will have somebody that's really glad to hear from you. And when you have talked to somebody who's glad to hear from you, your cup will overflow. And it makes your attitude different as you approach the tasks of the day. And frankly, the person you called probably needed to hear your voice more than you needed to hear theirs. And that's what starts that's the pathway right. of building our businesses. So just remember the, the critical part of what you do as a realtor is that connective tissue. So don't let it go. One call a day, go to competition.realtor and then place a phone call to your local association or to your state association. And do not say, Put me anywhere, put me wherever you can use me. That is not what you say. What you say to us as your leaders is, I have a passion for professionalism, education, the code of ethics. I love numbers. I love marketing. Whatever you enjoy, tell us so that we can help put you in a place where you can serve with passion. And that makes our group stronger than putting you somewhere where you're going to die. That's right. A great point. I heard a I heard a preacher one time say, you know, we need good cake cutters at church. <laughs> Some, somebody, there's people that are really good at slicing a cake for, for the, but uh, thank you so much, Lee. By the way, you have a, you have a really cool pod. Do you have more than one podcast, but. Well, I have the one podcast It's called crazy shit in real estate, but then I have occasional yes. episodes called real estate from the rooftops. And those are a little bit wonkier and more policy driven. So they're definitely for the nerds, but they're all mixed into the same download category. So you can always go listen to that. It's kind of a thinly veiled play on how professionalism matters in realtor world and how realtors persevere through all kinds of situations interspersed with information about different angles of real estate investments I'll tell you, one of the coolest interviews I had was with the deputy director of VA appraisals. And he came on with me, I think in January or maybe February, fascinating episode from the inner bowels of the VA appraiser department, which realtors need to be paying attention to, because even though it sounds like it's really, really minutia focused stuff, it is your day-to-day -day business, especially if you serve our uh, very honorable veterans. And so take a listen to some of those and hopefully you find something that makes your business stronger so you can make your community stronger. 
Yeah, great. And follow Lee on Instagram and Facebook. We'll have her links down below. She's got a website. Does a lot of, I've heard some great things about your speaking uh, course that you provided for people who want to get involved with teaching and speaking. So she's really does um, some amazing things and it's just a, a great, a great realtor and a great friend. And uh, I do have to ask you though, what's the craziest thing? So just kind of a nutshell. So people will go search your podcast to try to find, find the episode, but what's the craziest thing someone shared with you on that? So oh my God. Or there, there are several, I'm sure. There's several, but I'd, I will say that one of the very early episodes in season one, I had Steve Westmark on, he's a realtor in Minnesota and he's one of my uh, most admired realtors. I've known him for my entire career. I met him through Star Power and Howard Brenton. Steve tells a story about the open house he held where the seller was still there because he was dead. And then the police came and the whole thing, it's a wild oh story. And your jaw's going to hit the desk and you realize... <laughs> HGTV would never tell this story. And so that's that's the kind of stories I really enjoy. But I will say, John, the most downloaded episode, and I've done over 300 episodes, is my dad. He's episode number two. Everybody loves listening to my dad because he is the most precious thing you'll ever meet. So episode number two is the most popular. If you listen, you'll know why. I'm going to go listen to that today. So, well, thank you, Lee. And uh, again, we appreciate your time and sharing your expertise. Be sure and follow Lee and uh, reach out to her. She's always uh, happy to help or point you in the right direction. So thank and you I again. Hope to, hope to see a lot of Missouri realtors at the NAR meetings in Orlando. But John, especially, thank you for serving your state. There's so many uh, things you could do with your time. And the volunteer needs of the state association are big. And I'm grateful that you're willing to do that job. Well, thank you so much. Well, thanks for again for listening to our podcast this month. Be sure and check out all of the podcasts and the resources we have for you at Missouri Realtors. Uh, as always, go out and make it a great day. Bye.